0: And we are back with our next division in our preview series, the Southeast, the Hawks, the Heat, the Wizards, the Hornets, the
1: Magic. Peter, where are we starting? We are starting with the Atlanta Hawks, who are coached by Nate McMillan. Uh, He was their interim coach last year. And then after having, they really, the team really picked up once he started coaching them. Uh, yeah, it's maybe. very uncommon that you see like the interim coach become the coach.
0: Uh, more often than not, he becomes a guy who's kind of scapegoated as, oh, well, uh, you know, he did a great job, maybe even, and he held down the fort. But now we have a guy that we know. So it's interesting to see them have a coach that's uh, that did galvanize them in that kind of tough moment and him be
1: allowed to continue. Um, but yeah, yeah, let's 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 get into their roster. Right. Well, I mean, he, it's not like he was an unknown, right? He, he had plenty of success in Portland and in Indiana as a coach. So he, he's a retread, but you know, solid coach Uh, and made it really successful season for the Hawks. First time making the playoffs with this group made it all the way to the Eastern conference finals where they put up a good fight too. They lost to the bucks in six uh, eventual champions. So they've got Trey young at point guard. They're, you know, he's the face of their franchise, one of the best uh, scoring guards, young, exciting players in the league. Uh, sneaky good signing they had last year, Bugdan Bogdanovich as their two guard, uh, really tough player, um, you know, solid defender, good shooter. Uh, he did, gives them exactly what they need, you know, European player, high IQ player. Uh, then they got DeAndre Hunter, who was their first round pick from a couple years ago, and I really like his game. I mean, he is he is an excellent two-way player. Unfortunately, he was hurt for the playoff run, which makes me even more excited about their ceiling. Then they got John Collins, who just got a nice new deal uh at this Ford position. And Collins is kind of a fascinating player that I think we can touch on in a minute here, but he's he helped them a lot in that playoff run. Not necessarily in ways I would have expected, but he helped them. And then they got Clint Capella in the middle, who is I mean, let's be honest. He's nothing special, but he's the perfect modern NBA center. Good defender, gets rebounds, finishes, oops, you know, can put back Exactly stuff. what, right. He's what Trey Young needs. Exactly. He's perfect. Yeah. Fit. And the team's been a lot better since he's been there because they kind of had that hole in the middle before he got there. Uh, right. The bench has all kinds of different stuff going on. They bring in DeLon Wright who's a pretty shifty guard. I've always liked his game. Not a great three-point shooter, which is probably why he hasn't really found a home yet. Uh Lou Williams, who's he's on the he's on his last legs. I mean, Lou, you know, he's always going to be a bucket, but he's a traffic cone on the other end. Uh Kevin Herter, yeah, That's the tough part. who had a really nice coming out party in the playoffs. I mean, he basically closed the Sixers out, which I did not expect. They have Cam Reddish who has a ton of potential, has struggled with injuries, but had one really big game in the playoffs last year and has looked apart so far in the preseason. Uh, Gorgie Jeng is now involved. Uh, He's probably going to get some backup minutes at the big guy position because their first-round pick from a few years ago, Oneka Okongwu, is going to start the season on the shelf. Uh, I believe he had labrum surgery. Uh, Mm -hmm. Solomon Hill is on the roster too, but I doubt he'll be in the rotation much. Uh, He's sort of more there for injury depth. So this team has a ton of talent. Um, They probably expect to be challenging for home court in the first round. Um, And I, I totally expect them to. I think this is the third most talented roster in the Eastern Conference. How do you see it? I kind of see them, I mean, obviously I don't see them in that top tier of teams,
0: kind of where the Nets and the uh, Bucks are, but they're definitely right there. Um, I think they definitely can go toe-to-toe or be better than the 76ers team uh, like the Heat, like the, uh, sorry, like the Bulls who are, you know, looking to fill in behind them. Uh, I don't see why they can't be better than they were last year as they continue to jowl and, and, and fit together. And uh, one thing I'll be interested in is Trey Young's path forward, both because obviously it's coming off of the year where he's gotten so much attention and so much praise. Is there any room for recession in his game? And, with the new, uh, obviously, players like uh, Chris Paul is going to adjust to the new rule changes really quickly, and he's going to find the best ways to play around the rules. Not that he's going to cheat, of course, but play within the rules. uh, And I'm wondering, Trey, being one of those guys who people often talk about as uh, someone who also benefits from the way that the game is legislated, how he adjusts to that and how long that transition takes him to become equally as comfortable and can he continue to succeed that way on the same
1: level i don't think it's going to be a major impact uh i really think that he's so quick and so shifty that he's still going to get a lot of the same calls he did um the same way alan iverson did in his prime you know alan iverson was always one of the top free throw shooters in the league yeah um i think there will be some that get cut down like some of those ones on the perimeter when he's mm-hmm. kind of baiting a guy to run into him and he throws it up, I think that's still going to get called a foul. It just won't get called a shooting foul. So that's a little bit more fair for the defense. But, you know, when when it's a non-shooting foul and you get the ball out of bounds, that just means more possessions for the offense. So I don't think it'll be a big step back. Uh, you know, maybe he, maybe he goes down like one or two points a game because of that. But but he'll adjust. Uh, I do want to mention... I think it'll be like, like early season. Uh, I forgot to mention, Ray, I don't know how I missed this, but they also have Danilo Gallinari on their roster. They do. They do. uh, Gallo. Who played well for them in the playoffs uh, after sort of, you know, he's kind of a guy that's always been a good player but has struggled with injuries quite a bit throughout his career. Um, Of course. But the good thing for the Hawks is they don't need him to be like a a 35-minute-a-game guy anymore. They just need him right. to be a good stretch for for 16 to 20 minutes a game, and he can give them that.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's, his shot's always been very consistent, and he can do so much. He has a lot of flexibility offensively. He can pass. He can shoot. I mean, not only can he, but he's 6'10 in such a way that, you know, he's not an easy closeout, uh, and he's not going to – he's not a hyper-athlete, but he's not going to be bullied either. You know, he's not a small guy. Uh so I'm, I'm pretty optimistic for what you can expect from Gallo, of course, as long as he remains healthy. And I think that uh, he's in a good position, too, where he's not going to be demanded of too much. Uh, he's going to get a lot of great looks from Trey Young and that pick and roll that they're going to be running. So uh, I, I think stock's up. Stock's up for him.
1: I think this team has some fascinating questions that might get answered this year, though. And that is they have a lot of talent in the backcourt. I mean, clearly Trey Young's going to be the point guard. He's going to be right. there. Uh, Bogdanovich is probably their best two guard, but Herder is quite a bit younger and cheaper for now. And then Reddish is the guy who's proven the least, but I think clearly has the highest ceiling. Um, some people may disagree because they just love Herder's game, but and then Hunter, which is sort of, you know, he he's so Swiss Army Knife. I mean, he can play the two, the three, or kind of like a small ball four. You know, I mm-hmm. think you can play three of these guys together at the same time. But Young, Bogdanovich, Hunter, Herder, and Reddish, I don't know if all those guys are going to be happy. A uh, guy that seems like rumored to be sort of on the way out would be Cam Reddish because they don't want to pay everybody. I personally think that'd be a huge mistake because I'm really high on Cam Reddish. But I don't know what's going to happen here. Um, And then, of course, John Collins just got paid. And he had a good run for them. But I'm just not super impressed with with his defense and his lack of a three-point shot. So I kind of like this team going small with moving Hunter up to the four. And then Gallo obviously can play four in backup units. And then you play kind of small with Bogdanovich and... Either reddish or Herder next to him with Trey Young, and I think you mm-hmm. end up moving Collins and paying reddish. That's what I would do. That's probably not what'll happen, but how do you kind of see like like what's your best five? What's your crunch time five? If do you like the starters or would you have Herder in there? Herder is probably. I think the challenge with Herder is that
0: it's hard to see this team really growing defensively mm. with Herder as the guy. Uh, you know, next to Trey Young in the sense that, I mean, I think they'll offensively, I think that obviously he's such a plus and and that shooting in the the lineups that they can put out can run a team like the Knicks literally out of the gym. But if you're trying to get to that next level, you've got to slow teams down as well. So uh, unless Trey Young is also going to take this sort of uh, leap as a defender, uh, point of attack, defenders specifically. It's hard to see them, you know. And I think that's what their growth point is: is how do they, you know, retain enough of their identity as an offensive team while still getting stops when they need to. When you do come up against elite offensive players who
1: can score right with you. Well, I think that's where they really missed uh, DeAndre Hunter in the playoffs. I-, I think he's their best perimeter defender. So if he can stay healthy. I think this could be a big year for them. I kind of view him as like an OG and an OP type player. Yeah, yeah, and I could see that as well. I
0: guess the question is, can they do it? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things. There's a lot of optimism. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of, you know, you we, we think they can just continue to grow. But, you know, is Clint Capella also going to be uh, his best self defensively? I think that's an important question for them. Uh, especially if you're going into the playoffs against you know if you are you see the 76ers again can you continue to scheme your way around not having a guy who can stand up to to uh to, to the 76ers physically can you play the bucks and have someone who can slow down Giannis i don't know if you know uh can deandre hunter be that i think he is a physical presence and i think he helps him a lot in that quest uh i still i'm gonna say they're on the outside looking in of the top four just wow
1: so you're kind of lower on
0: them than me a little bit a little bit i i I just don't see them being great defensively uh yet yeah i could see it in a couple of years um, it, but of course, you know, and how far they go also depends on who they're matched up with. And I think, you know, the race in the East is also going to be probably close. You know, they might, uh, maybe they are pushing for four, maybe five isn't so bad. Maybe they're,
1: yeah, I don't think I can say they're top three. So um, I think what's fascinating we'll is we'll see. Um, We'll, we'll save we'll save a lot of this for the end. But it, it, when you're talking yeah. about tiers, to me, they're like at the top of the tier that is teams that are not contenders, right? Like I don't think the Hawks are going to win the championship this year. But mm-hmm. out of all the teams that are up and coming, I would be most excited about the Hawks, right? When you're talking about up and coming teams, you know, you're probably thinking about like the Grizzlies with Moran. Um, you know, maybe the Pelicans with Zion. Um, Dallas, kind of. Yeah, there's a lot of teams sort of in that category. But to me, this is a team that, like, they've already won two playoff rounds. So that's pretty cool. Um, I think they're definitely not the favorites this year, but they're, they're in a really good position, sort of just looking at the Eastern Conference landscape for, like, the next five years. I could see
0: them placing, for example, above teams like the Heat and the Bulls. Yeah, but in the playoffs, I could also see those sorts of teams that are a little bit more veteran heavy having, right. you know, something a little bit more than a puncher's chance against them. If that
1: makes sense, for sure, absolutely. All yeah, right, that, that's about where I have them: five, four, five, maybe six. We'll see. That's fair, but but yeah, you think they're definitely good enough to like avoid the play in, right? Probably. I'm not saying it's out of the question, but
0: they should be, All I right. think, and they should expect for themselves to not be in the play-in.
1: Yeah, the East has definitely improved, so if everything goes wrong, it could happen, but we talent-wise, we expect them to be safe, safe playoff team. Alright, right. Right. moving on a little bit north to the Charlotte Hornets, who are coached by James Borrego. it has been there a few years now. Uh, didn't have a lot of talent to work with the last few years, but has had pretty competent teams. Uh, They were in the play-in game last year, uh, did not go well, Uh, but they've got a young, exciting roster. They have LaMelo Ball, uh, the rookie of the year, one of the most exciting young players in the league. Uh, Terry Rozier, who has been a really nice fit for them after a lot of people mocked that contract. He's been really good. Gordon yeah. Hayward who got off to a good start with them and then unfortunately got injured again but he's still in his early 30s I believe he's not like long in the tooth yet he just when he's healthy he's a really good player uh he's just not always healthy and then Miles Bridges had a I'm not going to say breakout year but he definitely had his best year of his career last year young improving player and then they bring in Mason Plumley who has now officially bounced around the league, but he's also in his early 30s and is a very solid NBA player. I mean, you know what you're gonna get out of Mason. He's gonna set good screens, he's gonna play his ass off and he's gonna rebound. And yeah, he'll have a few games here or there where maybe he'll approach 20 points, you know, 2010. But for the most part, he's gonna do what he needs. And, you know, he's not, he's an eagle guy. Uh, I think he helps them a lot. Um, on the bench, they got one of your favorite players in the league, Ish Smith. Okay. Uh they drafted James booknight who has a really smooth game. He's a attacking guard, good shooter. But uh, you know, he's pretty much score first player. So we'll see if he kind of develops into like a six man role for them. They bring in Kelly Ubre, who man, he's just Handsome. he's one of the He's one of the most interesting players in the league because he's did not fit with the Warriors. They they, they couldn't get rid of him soon enough. Uh, but he's definitely talented. Uh, they got P.J. Washington, who had a pretty solid year for them last year. And they got Kai Jones, who's a young, intriguing prospect at its center. Uh, and they still got Cody Martin. So they still got one of the Martin twins hanging around. Uh, this is a team that... They probably think they're getting better, which I think they are. And, you know, they could improve and they could make the playing game again. But to me, the East got better. And I don't know if the Hornets really made enough improvements to get there. Uh, The key, I think, is going to be the health of Gordon Hayward. He's their best player when he's healthy. You know, I'm not going to say I'm not high on LaMelo Ball. I think he's going to be good. I just don't see the leap happening this year. Uh, I think he's going to have another solid year, mm-hmm. but he still, he's one of those guys where it's not that the hype is wrong. It's just that he makes so many highlight plays that it kind of covers up the fact that he still made a lot of mistakes last year. And I know it's normal for rookies to make mistakes, but what I'm going to be looking for, Ray, is not does he just increase his scoring or his assists, I'm going to be looking, does he cut down on his mistakes? Because as you know, winning teams limit mistakes. So what kind of dynamic is he going to have there, you know, running the show? And with Rozier, can he have another good year? Can Hayward stay healthy? This team can definitely battle for a playoff spot, but I I think the odds are against them. I I
0: find them. So... Lamelo is obviously talented, but you know he's really young, and there's a lot of mistakes that he's gonna have to work out. That's it. Outside of Lamelo, this is a pretty veteran laden team that we're talking about, you know. And it, I have a hard time seeing them being maybe top half in the conference, or even conference, or even top six. But at the same time, if they were in the play-in, I could certainly see them. You know, depending on how much momentum they have and. Like, as you say, the health of their team, uh, they could definitely compete with, you know, even a team like the Hawks that maybe doesn't is a little bit younger, despite being more more uh, experienced in their star players between Trey Young and, and LaMelo Ball. And, you know, they've got LiAngelo, you know, he's probably going to be working a little bit harder. No, I'm, I'm joking a little bit, but. Uh, it's he's not gonna make the team. I, I'm. <laughs> he's gonna be. Yeah, he, he may be in the G League. We'll see. Sure. Uh, I I can't help but be impressed by Lamelo as who's clearly like the best ball brother. Um. I never thought that they would all make it to the league in some format, right? And that I haven't heard that. Uh, I haven't heard from you know, a certain ball father in some number of years, I think that's nice. Uh, that and, helps, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for them um, in that sense. Of course, I don't know. I have a hard time seeing them being worse than they were, you know? Nine seed, right? They're bound to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, the play-in, See, well, you're they might on the Bulls, though, so you have the Bulls passing them. So who do you have falling down?
0: I do. Uh, I have the Celtics falling. I have the Pacers not very high because I think a trade for them is likely. Uh, and I have the Raptors similarly not very high because I also think a trade for them is likely. But I okay. think among the teams that are in the sort of 6-10 to 10 space, uh I kind of I like them a lot as a as someone who can surprise basically in in the sense that I I do think they're on the rise in uh yeah. I don't think they need to make trades more or less I think they just need to gel and be healthy and yeah. continue to work together and improve internally. They're fun team. Uh, I think that's a good place to be.
1: Yeah. They're a fun team. I got to be honest, I am a little worried about their bench. I mean, Ish Smith is proven in the league, and P.J. Washington is off to a good start in his career. Uh, but Knight's a rookie. Ubre is a mixed bag. You never know what you're going to get from that guy. And then Kai Jones, you know, rookie backup center who didn't exactly light the world on fire at college. I mean, he was he's just sort of a tantalizing prospect because of the measurables. So... Okay. It's going to be interesting to see what Borrego does staggering wise uh, to make sure that the bench, you know, doesn't kill them in games. Because I do like the starters, um, but you know, so I've, I guess with the starters, Ish Smith and PJ, they have seven guys you trust. After that, this team it needs to stay healthy all year for it to to be in the mix, for sure. Uh, but they I, I just see that
0: I see them as a candidate who could build momentum, basically. Right. Well, there weren't they
1: to be determined, but they definitely can. Definitely um, at the top of a lot of people's uh, league pass rankings, right? The team you're going to be watching. Yeah, all yeah you're definitely going to be watching, for sure. All right. Now we get to the Miami Heat, one of the so-called halves in the NBA. Eric Spolstra, uh, one of the long – I think he's the second longest tenured head coach now in the NBA behind uh, Popovich. So they bring in, they make the big trade. They bring in Kyle Lowry. Uh, they still got Duncan Robinson, one of the best shooters in the NBA. They got Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Buckets. Uh, they bring in PJ Tucker, who I don't know why he's still viewed as like such a hot commodity. I mean, I guess he won a championship last year with the Bucks, but he's like a, Modern day Tony Allen, of big man. He's all defense and no offense at all. I mean, and I think then, it's
0: the same reason that Taj Gibson and Paul Millsap are in the <laughs> league. It's
1: oh, they did not just throw Millsap
0: under the bus like that. It's not under the bus. I think they're all you know they're they're sought after players because they're, they they they're experienced. They know what they're doing. Uh, are you going to count on them to be thirty minutes a night, eighty two game players? Not necessarily, but. You just have this sense that if you just put them in high leverage basketball, that they're going to be able to do their jobs. And the not, IQ factor, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do the right I, thing. I just think Millsap has a lot more punch left than those two, but okay. Uh, Does he? Well, We'll see, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we will. Got, they got Bam out of Bayou at center, fresh off yes, yes. winning a gold medal at the Olympics. Uh, And then off the bench, they got Tyler Hero, who's coming off a disappointing sophomore campaign, but from all accounts has looked great and is tearing it up in preseason. So we'll see how real that is. And then they've got some interesting bench. They've got an interesting mix of bench guys. Gabe Vincent and Casey Okpala, who I don't really know their games very well, but I do remember they, they played solid against the Nuggets last year. Mark Keith Morris is involved here as their backup power forward. And man, he's just, you, you don't want that guy playing too many minutes, but he can definitely, he's a veteran. You know, uh, Dwayne Dedman, yeah. decent backup center. And then I'm not going to say it's a big question mark, but a guy that could help them if he comes back healthy at some point is Victor Oladipo, who was an all star years ago, but has really struggled with injuries lately. So, I'm not expecting anything out of him. I'm rooting for him. Victor's always been a guy that's worked hard, you know, hasn't really had problems with teammates, but you know, yeah. as we've seen in pro sports, once you have too many major injuries, it's just really hard to come all the way back. So he could become a rotation level guard. I don't ever really see him sniffing all-star level again, even though he's not an old guy. Um, but the core of this team is outstanding. You've got Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo who are fantastic defenders. Kyle Lowry who's also a really good defender. But Kyle Lowry is 35 years old. So how much does he have left in the tank? I mean, he's a year younger than Chris Paul and Chris Paul just had a really good year, but Kyle Lowry, he's probably just a notch below Chris Paul as a player. Um how do they fill in lineups around those three guys because to me, this is one of those weird teams where if I look at the roster, I think they're a much better defensive team than they are offensive team, right? Like, this is kind of a a throwback team where I could see the Heat winning a lot of games like 99 to 95. Um, so I think they're going to make a lot of people uncomfortable with how good they are in mm-hmm. defense because, you know, let's be honest, a lot of the modern NBA players, they're they're all offensive-minded. So... I definitely think this is a mentality that could help them. Uh, and they, you know, we all know the deal here. These guys just want to be healthy going into the playoffs, and that's when Jimmy turns up. So I definitely think this team could be in the mix, uh, challenging for the Eastern Conference title, but I don't think they're gonna be a top four seed. I just think that I just don't think they're gonna put enough emphasis on the regular season. I think they're between three. Well,
0: I think they're in the a tier of four to I'm going to call it 3 to 6. I don't think 3 is likely. But I see them being top 6 uh namely because to answer the Lowry question, I have this evidence, yes, of not only is Chris Paul just having had a great year, uh you know, as a guard of similar size and stature and you know, a guy who doesn't need to fill it up every night, but he definitely can on occasion, and it's going to be a great leader and, and locker room guy. Uh, he also took a lot of time off last season, being Lowry, being a Raptor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I don't think he'll be too much of an issue. Uh, I think where a lot of this team hinges is going to be funny enough on Tyler Hero. On a yeah. guy who, you know, he's talked about seeing himself in the same conversation as guys like Luka Doncic and Trey Young. I think we're going to see him see if he can follow that to truth uh, this upcoming season. Because because you're kind of right that this team is very – a lot of great defensive guys. A lot of guys who are going to, you know, uh, Eric Spolstra, one of the best coaches in the league, is going to be very detail-oriented about just about everything he does. Uh, but can that bench, I mean, you trust Lowry and Butler and uh, Tucker's going to be in the right place. He's going to take the right shots and Duncan Robinson is obviously one of the best shooters in the NBA. So yeah, that it's hard to see that starting lineup falter in too many senses, but can that bench produce enough points to keep them in games, I think is going to be the difference between teams that, uh, or even like the heat of a of old who went to the finals recently um and a team that might be say a six seed that's uh kind of on the outside looking in.
1: hmm yeah i i think uh i think we're in agreement here about tyler hero's got to be one of the top five most important players this year like swing piece right like if he's good, good. the heat are a contender good but right if he's what he is last year that really hurts them so it's going to be interesting to see how he plays in the first portion of the season because i think the difference between him and duncan robinson is they're both good shooters but robinson really knows his role to a t right he's not trying to create yeah he's running off screens and i mean he's he's even been honest about like i look up to jj reddick i've called him for advice you know that's how he tries to play so when Robinson yeah. has a shot, he's, he shoots it. And when not, he keeps it moving. The The team gets exactly what they need out of him. Hero, he looks for his own shot a lot. So if he's playing next to Jimmy and next to Lowry, if he's not having a good shooting night, I'm kind of interested to see like what kind of confidence do those guys have in him. Like, Are they going to let him play through mm-hmm. it? Or are they going to tell him to chill? Because as you know, one of the most important things for a young player in this league is to have confidence. And if anybody starts to mess with that or break that confidence, then it can kind of, you know, hurt your ceiling as a player. So Hero, by all accounts, is like one of the most confident guys there is. I mean, you already talked about how he's comparing himself to like All-Stars. So yeah, he's definitely got the swag, but, you know, I'm all about, you know, show me what you can do. Don't tell me. So... He he has the confidence of a six-man of the year candidate. Right. We'll see if he has uh, obviously he has talent. How much talent that's to be determined. So yeah, the Heat, they they probably think they're contenders. I think they're a notch just below contender, but if things yeah. go right, they could be there. And of course it's Miami. They're always up to stuff. You know, there could be a trade, they're a top top selection for buyout guys. You know, this is – if if Hero either flames out or if there's injuries or if it just becomes available, a guy I could see being in the mix here is Eric Gordon from Houston. You know, Eric Gordon just mm-hmm. doesn't really make sense on the Rockets anymore. And no. this team could use more shooting. And, you know, Eric Gordon's a pretty good two-way player. So I, I'm sure that if the Heat don't get off to a great start, that they this roster will not look the same in April as it does today. You never know what Pat Raleigh's going to do. You're right. Uh, I can't even speculate. I literally can't. Yeah, it's too Uh, hard to think about, but you know that Lowry and Butler, they're trying to win now. So if they need something, if there's a way to make the Heat better now, they've never worried about the future. They'll trade a pick, you know, without thinking twice about it to get better today. Right.
0: Because they can. Right, right. Uh, So I don't know if I'm high on them or low about even about a hold on the heat we'll see what happens
1: yeah I mean I don't expect a breakout from Tyler Hero but it also wouldn't shock me so I'm I don't know what to do with them because I, I think the Hawks will have a better record but who would I pick in a playoff series? they probably pick the Heat, the heat. this yeah. year yeah so i i think they're a second round team and you know if everything goes right or there's an injury here or there i wouldn't be shocked if this team's in the conference finals all right
0: the Who, other team next on
1: the list the yes. other team in florida is the orlando magic and oh they're coached by first time head coach jamal mosley he was on the bench for years in dallas um and this is a team that has been sort of treading water for years. They've made the playoffs one time since Dwight Howard left. Uh, or maybe it was twice. But anyway, <laughs> quick flameouts both Does times. it matter? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Magic a fans. Lot of, uh, it's a lot but, of mediocrity. But, but that's there's okay. good news. There's good news, Magic there fans. There is good news. There are a lot of young, exciting pieces on this team. So, listed as the starting backcourt, you have Cole Anthony, who a lot of people were surprised at that pick because I guess his his year at North Carolina wasn't as good as people hoped. I mean, I'm pretty sure they missed the tournament, so that's never good. Uh, right. But he had a good rookie year. He did. And then Jalen Suggs, who I love Jalen Suggs. He was phenomenal at Gonzaga. Uh Good leader. I mean, this guy really wants to win. I mean, he's about all the right things. Apparently, he was already friends with RJ Hampton, so they're like ecstatic to play together. Uh, Terrence Ross still here. Chuma Okiki and Wendell Carter Jr. So, not the most talented front court, but definitely some some athletes there. Of course, let's address the elephant in the room really quick. Their best player is not playing. Uh, Jonathan Isaac still recovering from a torn ACL. Uh, I'm not sure they've given an update on his timetable of return yet, but you really feel for the guy. He was really starting to come around as like, oh, man, this guy could be a really good player. Uh, and then he went down with the knee injury. So you hope to see him be able to regain that form. And then you, yeah. you, you really can't answer any long-term questions about the Magic until he's back and you see what kind of player he is. Right. Uh, Even other players, I think it's going to be hard to evaluate because you're
0: looking at and thinking about how does he fit with, you know, Jonathan Isaac. So,
1: right. uh, Tell me about their bench. So on the bench, you got, so Michael Carter Williams is here. He, he, he's been, he's been bouncing around the league for a while because he's a decently high IQ player who's long and can play defense, but never found a home because that jumper is just so broken. Uh, You got Gary Harris, who has unfortunately had a career derailed by injuries. But he's always been a good locker room guy, you know, good defender. And he seems to be happy to be here. You know, he was he was on the Nuggets as they were ascending and he made some big plays for them. But, you know, he 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 looks like he was just ready for a new chapter. And he seems like he's he's in a good place now to try to rehabilitate his career here. They've got R.J. Hampton, uh, another young, exciting player who. Has, I think, a pretty high ceiling. We just don't know what he's going to be yet. Uh, they've got the rookie Franz Wagner, who they took with the ninth pick. And I was not impressed with what I saw from him in summer league. But he's still a young player, so I'm not going to close the book on him. And they got Mo Bamba, who... Whew, that, was, that was a tough one for the Magic, who they drafted a few years ago. And he really hasn't done much since he's been in the league. And now, apparently, he's had a good summer... And he's, he's doing highlight plays again. So so maybe it's finally yeah. clicking little, for him. a uh, esque uh, turnaround. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm usually kind of like wait and see on if the guy's been pretty bad for a few years in the league. I mean, maybe he did figure it out, but he just needs to be competent, right, before he's good. Right. Uh, and then another guy who was starting to figure it out but then got injured was Markel Fultz, uh, former o- number one overall pick, he definitely has talent, but we don't have a timetable on his return yet either, which is a little odd because I looked it up. He tore his ACL 10 months ago. So he should be ready to go pretty soon. So hopefully he is. Maybe Christmas. Yeah. Early January, something like that. We'll see. Um, I I really like Jalen Suggs. I think this is I don't think he's as good as Cade Cunningham. But I actually do think there's a situation here where by at some point in the year, he's the best player on this team. Not factoring in Jonathan Isaac, clearly. I'm talking about simply guys that are playing. And that's yeah. interesting because I already started to hear rumors in the offseason that they were going to move on from Cole Anthony uh, to like make room for Suggs. Which I'm like, okay, I think Suggs has a higher ceiling, but why would you already close the book on can these guys play together or not? So. Can I I make a case? I mean, you can. I just don't get why you need to move on from Anthony so quick. But go ahead. My
0: my main concern for this roster is mainly... It's not that I wouldn't believe in Cole Anthony as a player. It's more that this team has a lot of guards. A lot of talented guards who uh, I think aren't all going to be able to get the best out of themselves while they're all cannibalizing each other's, uh, I mean, minutes, playing time, shots, you know, and call it what you'd like. um, I could see Jalen Suggs being a rookie of the year candidate in the sense that, you know, he is going to have a lot of opportunities to have the ball in his hands and uh, create for himself and others when he, you know, feels the need. And I mean that's great you've got a first option a first option that you can really believe in you're looking at the bench and you're looking at rj hampton and martill fultz and gary harris and michael carter williams and a bunch of guys who i'm wondering how are you going to get value out of these players without moving on from at least one or two of them um fair you know i I, uh, I like Gary, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm a Nuggets fan. I miss Gary. I, I, I wish Gary the best. I have a hard time seeing him getting the opportunity to kind of recreate his game in the way that he would like to and have the opportunity to do that in Orlando
1: right now, especially for in
0: any kind of meaningful basketball sense as well.
1: Well, it's, he's going to be interesting because if he plays well, he is in the last year of his contract and he could be a trade or a buyout candidate. Um, he yes. doesn't strike me as a guy that would like go to management and say, I want to get bought out. I think he viewed the magic as like a team that believed in him and was happy to bring him in. So maybe he plays mm-hmm. the whole year there, but, but it's just something to keep an eye on. But as far as your, your point about the guards, I, I think you're right there. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen here. Um, but I do want to make the counter argument real quick. I think that while they're different players, I think Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs, while both probably good enough to be developed as point guards, I think they could play together in the same way that CJ and Dame have made it work out. Um, I think Jalen will probably be the guy that'll be on ball more often because he's faster, right? Mm-hmm. He's got more like John Wall in his game. So Explosiveness, to speak. yeah. Yeah, but I was really impressed with Cole Anthony last year as a rookie. I didn't think he was going to play that well. So I do think that he could work off ball and then maybe you stagger once one of them goes to the bench and have the other one run backup point guard because you know who I don't want as my backup point guard? Michael Carter-Williams. That makes no sense to me.
0: Yeah, that's the one where, you know, when I think about that, it's like, what is your goal as an organization right now? Are you trying to compete for something? Is this the veteran you want to kind of be a glue guy and bring everything together? I don't know what you're bringing it together for. Uh, I kind of see this team as... Uh, I'm going to say bottom four. Bottom four in the
1: East. Well, that's what sucks for Magic fans, right? It's like, this is another let's see what we got year. I mean, but, right. you know, trading Aaron Gordon and trading Vucevic, they knew that this was going to happen, that they were doing a reset on a team that they tried to rebuild with, and they just didn't quite hit a very high ceiling. So, you know, they got R.J. Hampton in the Gordon deal, which they love. I mean, I like R.J. Hampton. He's definitely not going point I. guard. Yeah, I think he's got a bright future. Um, but, of course, you know, the thing that muddies the water at the guard rotation is when Markel Fultz comes back, what does he look like? Because I do think he has a higher ceiling. Than Cole Anthony. So if Suggs is your guy and Fultz comes back looking healthy, then maybe I could see Cole being the odd one out if he's if he's too good to be just a backup point guard. So something to monitor for sure. Or
0: if he is your backup point guard,
1: is RJ even playing? Is well, Gary, you know, do these guys have, like, a, a shot that's, to really establish their value? Yeah, I mean, they're not not—they're not going to be a contending team, so it would make sense for them to play RJ over Gary. Um, but I think what mm-hmm. they're going to do is they're going to play a lot of small lineups, to be honest with you, I think. Maybe some three-guard lineups, yeah. Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You know, but see, I'll w- probably watch them here and there but i'm not i'm not super looking forward to this this magic season mostly cuz isaac's injured and i don't know i i just there's a there's a lot of question marks here but they're going to play hard there it is. seems like they all like each other this isn't like a, a situation where everybody hates this and they don't want to be there they they seem like a young hungry right. bunch that at least wants to move in the right direction so that's good and i think they're going to have
0: more fun than they've had in recent years
1: right if there's no pressure sense. they're just gonna go out there's and ball. no
0: pressure yeah um and i think they're making progress sounds strange because it's not like they're getting better than they were trading away those players but i think they're yeah. moving out of the sort of middling uh treadmill and i think that can only be viewed as progress so i would be optimistic about them in that sense at the very least you know, you're collecting better assets and better draft picks, and
1: exactly. you know maybe
0: one of them doesn't play, but at least it's whether it's RJ or Gary or Michael, it's uh, someone who you're going to pick the best players and keep those, right.
1: So yeah, and if and if Terrence Ross or and or Gary Harris play well, I could see one or both of those guys move for draft picks. You know, at some point, you know, to help right. a veteran team that needs their help. All right, let's finish up. The East with our last team in the Eastern Conference, the Washington Wizards
0: uh, in the nation's
1: capital. They also have a first-time head coach, Wes Unsell Jr., who was on the bench with Michael Malone in Denver. I think I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah, sounds familiar. Uh, So they went over quite a big change over the offseason. They traded Russell Westbrook and got back some players from the Lakers. So starting is Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. They still have Bradley Beal, one of the best guards in the league, uh, all-star shooting guard. And they signed Spencer Dinwiddie, who is a really good player, probably one of the more underrated players in the NBA. Uh, But he's coming off an ACL injury. So we're going to have to see what he looks like. They have Daniel Gafford as their starting center for now, who nobody really knew before they traded for him. He was sort of buried on the bench of the Bulls, but then he played great for them down the stretch. The Wizards had like a really weird season, right? They got off to a horrible start because of COVID and injuries, and then they tore it up down the stretch. But a lot of that was Westbrook playing really well, and he's not here anymore. So they actually need Dinwiddie to, to live up to his contract right away. Uh on the, coming off the bench, they've got Aaron Holiday, Holiday brother, youngest of the bunch. Uh he seems like a promising young player. Haul Neto, Denny Advia, their first round pick from last year, Rui Hachimura, who's really exciting to me. And I think if he I'm kind of interested that they had Kuzma listed at the starter and Rui off the bench. I'd probably start. Yeah, with. I was
0: gonna I was gonna ask about that. Is that like a confirmed I would start. Yeah, I, I guess I. Yeah, I would I'm agree. not yeah, sure.
1: Worrying. I I think they're both going to play a lot though, and then they've I'm got sure. Montrez Harrell uh, as backup, and they've got Thomas Bryant, who was a good player, but is still recovering from injury, and then their first round pick from this year, Corey Kispert, who is going to be like a a Joe Harris type player. Um, this team has talent, but. Do they have enough defense? I mean, KCP is a good defender, and Kuzma has gotten a lot better. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know what to expect from the Wizards. I think they're going to compete for the playoffs just because I have a lot of respect for Bradley Beal. But this is a very – you know, when you have a lot of new pieces, it just takes a while to mesh. So I Mm -hmm. I could see them being good – but with how much the East has improved, they can't afford to get off to like a five and 10 start. Do you agree with that? Right. I, I think
0: I kind of see them as a borderline play in team, if that makes sense. I think they'll be somewhere in the seven to 12 range. Yeah. If that makes sense. I think if they did have this ideal season, they could slip into the maybe have home court advantage in the play in. Or, of course, we're all looking at this it, theoretical Bradley Beal trade, and that could
1: happen as well.
0: And That, that was going to be my next question. Mean a lot.
1: If, if they get off to a bad start or, like, clearly out of it halfway through the season, do you think he sours and finally changes his mind? I think he wants it to work
0: yeah. in D.C. But at the same time, I'm personally at a point where I think for both him and for Washington separating might be the best option mm. in terms of giving them the assets that they need to really assemble uh like long-term talent in DC and for Bradley to be finally in a situation where he can play meaningful basketball in a way that he hasn't been able to before. Uh, right. Do I think he asks out? Honestly, no. Okay. Uh, unless, unless it is personal but otherwise, I don't see him as a player who's going to ask out. He may not sign any kind of extensions,
1: but... Do you like the idea of a tr- trade centered around Bradley Beal for Ben Simmons? For who? For the for Wizards. DC. If for he the asks Wizards. out. Well, the Sixers would love that. I mean, obviously... But for the Wizards, if he asks out, would you want Ben Simmons back or would you want something else for Bradley Beal? Would you rather get picks and like start start over? I might lean more towards the latter
0: in terms of having the like long-term assets to pick your guy. Because I think the challenge for Washington is that a lot like Denver, you want players who want to be there. And you want players who are committed to this experience of maybe not being the flashiest team in the league and not being the team that gets all the attention. And I don't know that Ben Simmons wants to be that. I know he wants to leave the 76ers, but I would have a lot of questions if I'm them of, are you interested in staying in Washington? Okay. Uh, And... I could definitely see Ben saying no. That this is uh, I don't want to wait four or five years to get to a point of contending for something. Um, and I kind of I don't see this roster as ready built for success as uh, some others in the league that might also be able to swing a deal for him, like a Portland or even the Kings. Uh, and on top of the fact that. Philadelphia trading to a team within the division – not in the division, but just up the road uh, even is challenging. That they'll uh, – uh, more often than not, teams don't – you know, Denver wouldn't trade Michael Porter Jr. to Utah. Uh, the Lakers wouldn't trade uh, – they, they wouldn't have traded Kyle Kuzma to the Clippers for whatever reason. I don't think they're worried about Kuzma coming back to beat
1: him. huh Mm-hmm.
0: But they would they sent them to DC though, across the country. And I think that's just something that teams tend to uh lean on in terms of uh not trading to a guy trade not trading you one of your guys to a team that's very close to home. So yeah. I, I mean where do you see them finishing? Are they a playoff um, team? I mean a bubble team. Uh not a bubble team. <laughs> a bubble playoff team? to the extent that they so, might slip in. So
1: last year, they were the eight seed. Yes. Um, you're basically asking me, do I like them more than Charlotte and Chicago? Oh, boy. It's tough because out of those three teams, Bradley is the best player. Uh, I just don't know what Spencer Dinwiddie's going to look like. Um, if he's Spencer Dinwiddie... I think that's going to be a dynamic backcourt if they can get enough defense. And Unsell's a defensive guy, right? He was Malone's defensive coordinator in Denver. If if he can get those guys to buy in, and they can just not be terrible. And you know what? This is going to be an unfair shot on our Eastern Conference preview here. But losing Russell Westbrook is addition by subtraction on defense. So even though Dinwiddie and Beal aren't all-world defenders, Westbrook is just like he plays free safety out there and does what he wants. So, at least now they have guys that are going to listen to coaching and you know try to be in the right spots a little more. And you know, bringing in KCP and Kuzma that helps the defense. You know, Harold doesn't help the defense, but he's always been a good bench player in this league. Just you know. Yeah, I was going to say, do you you have any faith or questions in this in this bench unit? Well, I've always kind of liked Neto. Um, Kispert, I think he can be a good shooter. Once Bryant comes back, I don't know his timeline, but he's a good he's a good center. I, I think he's going to help them. I think they're going to stagger. You know, Kuzma will probably end up being a bench player, and Hachimura will start. I think the bench can be passable. Uh, I don't love it, but I don't. It's not like a five alarm fire either. Um, and I actually I agree with what you said earlier. I don't think Beal asks out because. I think that if Beal wanted to leave, I think he would have asked out by now. I mean, the team hasn't been very good, and he's been adamant about wanting it to work here. So, obviously, people can change their mind. Maybe it'll be the last straw. You know what I think is actually more likely to happen, and this would be kind of sad? I think if the team isn't playing well, I think the Wizards might just end up training them anyway because they'd be like, it's not working. We need a reset. We love you, Brad, but this is... This is like we've hit our ceiling. We right. gotta start over.
0: No, I'm I'm pretty much with you. I think otherwise, the, the second most likely thing is that I could see him just playing out his contract in Washington and deciding to go somewhere else. Once he, you know, because I think that freedom be a is though, a little right to it get would nothing for Washington. Uh, but I think for Brad, I think it would be you know the ability to choose where you want to play. I think is a lot more enticing than just being on any other team.
1: Well, in the I, way that I would you're saying I think that because he's wanted to be there, right? He's been there his whole life. Yeah. Or his whole career. I think that they at least have a good enough relationship to where I'm sure they're having conversations, you know, before and during the season of like, hey, do you want to stay? Because if you want to stay, we'll pay you. But I'm sure I don't know if you've gone over all the contract and stuff, they can offer an extension. But he can make a lot more money if he doesn't sign and then re-signs in the summer because he'll be a 10-year vet at that point, I think. He can. So it's possible that they could do that and re-sign him at the end of the year if he's on the same page and wants to stay. But if he's unsure or wants to leave, I feel like he would at least do them the courtesy of being like, I'm not going to stay. And at that point, it would make more sense to move him before the deadline than to just let him walk for nothing. You know, Because when that happens, it's usually like, the Thunder were blindsided when Durant left. They they thought he was going to stay. So that's a right. tough situation. I'm at a point in uh, life where I think
0: if a guy doesn't sign the extension, he's probably leaving. Um, I think okay. Brad's made he's made plenty of money at this point. I don't I don't think that's the biggest motivation for him. Okay, uh, I, I think it's more basketball reasons first and maybe even recognition second. Yeah, but uh if I'm if I'm the Wizards and he's not willing to sign that extension, I would probably at that point be looking to pull that trigger. Because then you also will you ever be bad enough with Bradley Beal on your roster to get that second star that you really want? And right. I I don't think that's necessarily gonna happen so um, I'm not I'm interested to see where this goes there's an opportunity for them to grow as an organization but until the Bradley Beal situation gets resolved uh, I think they're gonna be kind of in flux and waiting to see what happens I mean uh, right. they've got some interesting players um, Kyle Kuzma Montrez Harrell I'm not sure I would they're not exactly keepers for me, but right. Uh, some of the other guys, they're, up and they're down fine. It's like
1: rotation yeah. guys, right? Yeah,
0: P- uh, placeholders. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I mean, maybe Kyle Kuzma finds himself in DC. I was
1: That's about to say he's going to have a lot possible. less pressure now. You know, he there's a good player in there. He's been highly scrutinized. You know, probably highly overrated, but he's not a horrible basketball player. He he can play pretty well. With when he's playing within himself, so yeah, and I'm really high on Rui. I, I think Rui. I'm not ready to put my feet fully in the deep end and say he's going to have a breakout year, but I do think he's going to keep gradual climb. You know,
0: yeah, I think he projects as uh, a very reliable, very you know, talented uh, defender and three point shooter and guy who can create a little bit pass, dribble. <laughs>
1: Make the right decisions. So, so if uh, I had to if I had to bet, I would say they just miss the playoffs. I think the Bulls just have a little more talent, even though okay. I don't. I don't really have like full confidence in that pick. I, I just think the Bulls. You know, who knows? Like that. There's so many questions to answer when you have that many new players. Um,
0: but I, I think the Bulls have a lot more. Like they have three tent poles. If yes. that makes sense. Where I feel like the Wizards have one.
1: Even if he's better than the others. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that does it. That's 15 teams in the East. Uh, yes, what else we made did, it. What else did you want to talk about the East?
0: Well, I could run through my overarching uh, tier list. Basically, I've divided the East into four tiers, and I can walk over with you, and then you can uh, tell me if you think you're right, or if you think I'm right, if you think I'm wrong, or if you think I'm crazy. Okay. You down? Let's hear it. I'm down. All right. We're going to start at the bottom. Uh, bottom tier. I'm not going to attach a label to it. I'm just going to say it's the fourth tier. It's Cleveland, Orlando, Detroit,
1: and the New York Knicks? Wow. I mean, I'm low on the Knicks, but to me, they're not in that tier just because they made the playoffs last year and the way they're coached, they're gonna be right in the mix for the playoffs again, and those other teams probably aren't. The reason I have them in my bottom
0: tier is I think there's, the ceiling is, about last year in my yes. mind for them. I agree. And I think there is a lot of uh burnout potential in any Tibbs coached team, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh Sad and, and true. Yeah, I it's uh you know, do they have and do all of their players have the same sort of uh coalescing breakout year that they had last year, namely Julius Randall, you know, can Julius Randall continue to be who he was last year and have the same numbers and efficiency and, uh, fortune and health and all those things. I think it's a big question mark, you know, and, so, and teams, teams aren't gonna, <laughs> this sounds crazy to see, say overlook the Knicks in the way that they didn't before. Uh, Okay. I don't think they're going to get as many you know we're not interested, you, know, it's the Knicks kinds of wins uh,
1: hmm. they know that they're trying to win teams know oh yeah and I, and I don't they, know they'll catch they'll catch less people by surprise this year, that's for sure, but I do think they have one more off the court advantage for them uh so this okay. is going to be a full season, scheduled, 82 game, back to normal. And yes. as we know, like 98% of the league is is vaccinated, which means you can pretty much go about living your normal life again. Uh, right. You have to show your card, your vaccination card to get into places. But I think that now New York will go back to being like, An exciting city for visiting players to go to. Now, I know it's not quite on the same level as Miami. I'm sure you know about the infamous South Beach flu. But players still like to go out in New York. Okay, And they didn't get to do that last year. So you mix that along with the fact that the Knicks, I think, have hands down the best home crowd in the league. Uh, They got Kemba coming home. I just think it's going to be a bear to go into that arena and and win games next year i mean yeah if you come in focused you know well rested you can win a game at the garden but they're going to beat a lot of te- they're going to win a lot of games at home next year
0: that'll be uh, uh, that'll be interesting to see i would be open to if i were to make another tier that's higher than the fourth tier but less than my third tier i might put them in it. minute uh, okay. but i'm going to go to that third tier and maybe that. Creates more clarity, but we'll see. So, in the third tier, I have the Celtics, the Raptors, the Hornets, the Pacers, and the Washington Wizards. Okay. Uh, top and bottom, I'm probably weighing the Wizards towards the bottom and the Raptors towards the top. Um, The... But all those teams are teams that I think of as they have talent. They can put together a really good starting unit. And maybe they're not the deepest team. Maybe they're not the most veteran-laden team. But they're a lot better than the Knicks at the end of the day. Uh, and that, But I, at the same time, I wouldn't put them in the same tier as, for example, uh, the Hawks. In terms of how well they played last year and the momentum that they have going into the season, uh, which kind of might as well just—do uh, you have any strong feelings before I keep it going? Uh,
1: I think you're too low on the Celtics. Uh, I just think Brown and Tatum, already All-Star level players, another year older. Uh, I think I I I just can't I can't put the Celtics in the same tier as the Raptors when the Raptors just have so many question marks and they lost Lowry. Um, I think they're clearly ahead of the Raptors. And I think I would probably drop the Raptors a tier lower, um, even though they're well-coached and they they know what they're doing as an organization. I just think, I, I don't think the Raptors are going for it this year. And I think the Knicks are, which is why I would flip those two teams. Okay. That's fair.
0: Um, I think the Raptors a being primed for a move, I think that can lift them up. But I also think they just have a general level of talent that is a yeah. little bit higher than I would say most teams, or at least comparable. Uh, right. Where, I mean, of course, it's all subjective. I could easily
1: bump them up a tier. Yeah, I guess. I guess when if you do four tiers it's kind of tough because I think I might only have two teams in this tier. It would be Charlotte and Washington. I actually think the Pacers would be higher. They would be in my second tier that you're about to get to along with the Celtics.
0: Interesting. So, well, yeah, that second tier, we'll, we'll just, just open that can. It's the 76ers, the Hawks, the Heat, and the Bulls. And yeah. I, I put the Hawks in this tier because it's just mainly just raw talent. I mean, Trey Young is that guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, the Bulls and the Heat, I think, I value them here because they have a lot of, it's an experienced roster. Uh, There's uh, a level of balance in the units that they can put out and flexibility that I think is going to matter a lot. Uh, going into the playoffs and, and looking how they're trying to compete with other teams. And I think they're a lot less matchup dependent um, than they might be. The 76ers, obviously, they have Joel Embiid. He is one of the best centers in the league. Some would say first.
1: I think he's, those he's that good, be, right? He's like a walking forward seed by himself. Just give him some shooters and some defense, and they're going to win 47 this, games. Ben Simmons can sleepwalk
0: through the season not shoot any threes or free throws, and they can be a four seed. Yep. Uh, I think they have that much uh, talent left. I think Tobias Harris is not my favorite player, but, you know, he can. he's going to put up
1: the numbers that – he's not the highest ceiling player, but he's a high floor player, and I think they're going to be – That's a great way to describe him. Like, I think he averages, like, 18 to 20 a game, but you're right. He's never going to go off for 45, but he's also not going to have very many, like, 2 for 17 nights where he scored 5 points. Right, right. Um do you want to Well, there's two teams left. Uh it's it's pretty obvious. Well, before you get there, I I think you're crazy to have the Bulls in that tier. I just You yeah, I'm crazy. Have, yeah, I, this is going to be one we'll have to revisit that we really disagree on because While (laughs) I do, I I agree they have talent and I really, you know, they do have a lot of talent in the backcourt and they got Vucevic. So they definitely have talent, but we haven't seen it yet. So how do they gel? How do they mesh? Um, You're, we should also remind the people you're an extremely high on DeMar DeRozan guy. So he's a a very good player in the league because he's like, right? He's all mid range, no jumpers. I mean, no uh, three pointers, but. It's a good passer. Um, you know, I, it wouldn't shock me if they're if they're in this tier for the regular season, but I don't see it right now.
0: Yeah, this is just one of those we'll have to revisit because I, I think they're going to be really good. I, okay. Uh, I'm not saying they're contenders, but uh, I'm really excited you to see. You have them battling what's... for home court in the first round, basically. Three to six. Yeah optimistically three i think at the very least they'll be six but you have Uh, them clearly
1: ahead of the celtics
0: yeah yeah i do i think they're a lot more balanced roster than the celtics and i think that matters okay um and i yeah i mean the 76ers they could flame out there is flame out potential for them uh of course the Heat—it's kind of a similar argument for the for the Bulls in that they're, like I said, they're a veteran team. Uh, they've got good guards, they've got good wings, they've got good centers. Um, it's hard to say that they have a clear weakness besides depth. Um, but how many of these teams are super deep? So, right. Um, last two, the obvious two: the Nets, the Bucks. Um, these are just the most talented teams in the league. They've got three in theory, superstars who, uh, can play together to some extent. Um, the nets obviously taking a hit losing Kyrie Irving, but I still think, you know, you're talking about Kevin Durant being one of, if not the best players in the league at probably the most important and flexible position. Um, you know, in the regular season, I think they'll be fine. And in the playoffs, uh, This is to some, it's hard not to include some level of speculation about Kyrie Irving, but I think there's going to be an opportunity for him to play if he chooses to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, I don't think he starts the season, but at the end of the day, it's basketball, and I think he wants to play basketball. Uh, I don't think he will sit out a whole year. nothing or that the nets will sit on him all year with him not playing
1: but can i give my prediction there sure sure i think he sits out the whole year i think Kyrie irving is so different than any athlete we've ever seen and i think that it means a lot to him personally to stick to his guns and not be labeled a hypocrite, right? I mean, whenever we see an athlete change course, there's always an mm-hmm. excuse or like a reason for, you know, Ben Simmons early this summer, the report was, oh, I'm never going to play for the Sixers again. Well, he's there. Well, Ben's also on his first max contract, right? Kyrie right. is on his second. So Kyrie has a lot of money uh and it just seems to me like the most important thing for him right now is to stick strong to his beliefs so i'm not going to get into that whole scenario but yes i just i kind of feel like when Kyrie says something he means it um and so i would be i think it'd be fun if he came back just as a basketball fan i like to watch him play okay but i i kind of feel like He would kind of lose some credibility if he just goes against what he has very firmly said his stance is today. It could happen, but that's just how I read him. There are two possibilities I
0: consider there's uh, that HEMA could be traded. Mm -hmm. That I think, you know, Kevin Durant, James Harden, they're, uh, I think they've been through enough drama. That they seem capable of keeping things in-house if that's what they want. I think they're having discussions that we're not seeing. Right. Uh, I mean, that's natural. It's a, it's a locker room. And they're friends. Alternatively, yeah. Alternatively, COVID could change. Uh, I mean, right. the playoffs are many months from now. I think we're going into the winter season where obviously, you know, illnesses like COVID and the flu and things like that, they spike in summer and June and May is more of a time when they relax to some degree. Of course, I don't know. There could be, you know, two new variants by the time the playoffs show up. Uh, And I have no idea, but... uh, it's there's enough for me to be willing to put them in tier one still. Yes. Uh, whether they stay there, we'll see. It's obviously everything is health dependent. Everything is, uh, just how it goes. But yeah, those are my tiers. Uh, do we, uh, so we can wrap here. We'll, uh, we'll be back, uh, as the week goes on with a, uh, another group of podcasts, Touching on the Western Conference and the divisions, and those and going breaking down each one and each team and each situation. Um,
1: Peter, do you have any uh, parting shots before we head out? Of course. I mean, as a oh boy, as a die-hard Western Conference fan, specifically the Denver Nuggets, I've seen yes. a lot of people say that the East is now better than the West, and of course there's only one way to find out and that's to wait and actually watch the games. Right. But here's what, here's what I'll say about that. When you go through the teams in the East team by team list for the way you just did in the tiers, I get that there's probably more teams in the East that could challenge for a playoff spot. The way I view conferences is how many teams do you have that could get to the finals? Right. And I just think the West has more top talent, if you will. I mean, the Mavericks were the five seed last year with Luka. The Lakers were the seven seed with LeBron and AD. Um, the West just has so much talent, more talent to me at the top. Um, the East can has I, some fun teams, but. Can I throw out
0: like a scenario that I think kind of uh, may enhance may your point? Sure. In a series between the Jazz and the 76ers, who do you think wins?
1: Mm, I think it's the Jazz. Both teams fully healthy. I mean, yeah, I think the Jazz have a slight edge there. Uh, And, and not to uh, let the cat out of the bag too
0: much, I have the Jazz fifth in the West and the 76ers third. And I think that's kind of, those are the comparisons that I think about is like, uh, who's your, you know, comparing, you know, directly across the quality of a third seed in one conference to a third seed in another, Uh, a sixth seed in one conference to a sixth seed in another, a 10th seed in one conference to a 10th seed in the other. I think the East is catching up, you know, it's more competitive. But I think at the end of the day, you know, a a bunch of the best players uh, are in the Western conference and uh, it's hard to, I mean, what would it take for you to change your mind to say that the East is actually better?
1: It would take all the teams that were good in the East last year to stay good. And it would take the bulls and Hornets to take steps forward. Um, because, you know, as as we pointed out, we're both pretty low on the Knicks. The Knicks were the four seed last year. Okay. Correct. The four seed in the West was the Clippers. Like, those two teams are completely different levels of talent. Precisely.
0: So. Uh, for me, and yeah, it would be teams like, are
1: the Bulls all of a sudden better than the Jazz? Okay, then we'll talk. Uh, uh, the one counter they- argument to my own point is, okay a lot of people think the three best teams in the league are the nets the bucks and the lakers so two of the three are from the east yes the east is top heavy and the east won the championship last year with the bucks they're still really good there but i just think that next tier of like right below the top is much better in the west than it is in the east it's that upper middle right that I think is a little bit deeper out out west, yeah. But I will say the East has closed the gap because there were years there where like the East was just trash. You remember yeah. how easy those LeBron Cavs teams got to the finals? Like they would sweep the second ridiculous. round every year. It was ridiculous.
0: It's it's kind of upset. It's I don't want to say it's upsetting as a Western Conference fan to be like, oh, we because I don't want to complain, but yeah, I mean, you're playing, you're talking about. Playing Charlotte or something in the first round, and you're talking about uh, playing—I don't know—the Mavs, the Jazz, the Warriors. These are the Clippers. The Clippers are like a low-tier team
1: in the Western Conference in terms of the playoffs right now. Right. Some people don't think they'll make the playoffs, which is crazy. But right. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've gone on long enough. That was our we definitely have conference. Uh, It was a lot of fun, Ray.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely check us out on twitter at four corners pod uh check me out at solar rays and peter at bucket since 88 uh much appreciated share with your uh friends just just one just one friend you know we would appreciate it and of course we appreciate you listening have a great day have a great week and go nuggets